The Greenlight Podcast will see clearly now with Oakley jumping into the podcast game. Head to oakley.com for the greatest shades in the game. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. The Greenlight Podcast welcomes you. Thanks for jumping in with us today. We have Chicago Bears head coach Matt Eberflus. Kyle is stoked to the max about this one. He can't wait to hear about it, how his Chicago boys are doing in the Windy City. Chris and Kyle talk with coach about the offseason additions, bolstering of that defensive line, some of the draft picks they've hit on. Of course, they talk Justin Fields. And Coach Eberflus talks about the importance of communicating and working with his general manager, of course, Ryan Poles. Kyle wants to make the point that offensive linemen make the best general managers. Jury's still out. Maybe you all can comment with what you think. A packed show outside of that. We've got Chris back in studio from Montana, and we go through plenty of topics with Macon. We do a little fight recap, the Diaz-Paul scheduled fight and the Anderson-Ramirez unscheduled fight. We review both of those. We talk Pac-12. We talk the Women's World Cup. The Jacksonville Jaguars got a shiny new addition to their training facility. And Chris has a special little mailbag with a couple updates. Roth IRAs and Grubhub come up. And then to end it, we talk Hall of Fame. We review each of the Hall of Fame speeches from the weekend and talk worst flight from the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. Y'all please enjoy. We will be back Thursday. Make sure to catch us then. It's August 8th, everybody. Uh, Scott Stapp's birthday, of course, from the band Creed. I've said this before. I don't think Creed is as bad as people think it is. I think Creed is excellent, and I'll give you three reasons why. Okay. My sacrifice <laughs> with arms wide open and higher. My own prison? I don't, I couldn't, I saw it, I read it. I can't place it. Okay. Creed is awesome. Uh, check out his halftime show on Thanksgiving. Hey, uh, August 8th, uh, again, Scott Staff's birthday. I was going to ask you guys, what's the worst band of all time? Not because I think Creed's bad, because I think people think Creed's bad. And I think they get some of the shade that like Nickelback should get. But Nickelback gets the shade anyways. Mm-hmm. All you're doing the- is naming good bands right now. Okay. <laughs> how about how about like some of the bands that are bad? I have one that I think is going to get me in some trouble because a lot of people like this band, but I think Fish kind of sucks. God, I thought you were going to say Dave Matthews because you have like 
family members who are employees. You know, there's a lot of people that hate Dave Matthews. I thought about it. There goes the, the <laughs> chainsaw guy again. He hates Dave Matthews. I was just talking to somebody in a real estate office about fish. She goes to like every fish show. There are a lot of fish heads that do that. Okay, it's crazy. So, so my buddy Tom, just Saturday night, was at MSG to see fish. So was I had a bunch of yeah. It was his 25th anniversary of going to see fish at MSG. Every year, like they they act like it's a new show, which it might be. They might be play totally different. Well, songs, the thing about but... a fish show is everybody's on so much drugs, mm -hmm. so it is like the first time you've seen them every time. <laughs> sure. mm -hmm. She says to me, she says the flight's only fifty minutes and it costs about a hundred bucks. I said, yeah, but how much do the illicit drugs cost? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Followed by by laughter, uproarious <laughs> laughter. The scene is cool. The music just leaves a little something to be desired. But I do. Uh, don't fuck this up. I want to get Trey on the on the pod. Yeah, pretty, Trey, he's one of the best guitarists in the world right I'm now. I'm pretty neutral on fish. Like, you know, I think you got to be all in or all out, but I'm right in the middle. Um, I'll give you one. Imagine Dragons. Mm. Yeah, Fucking, I think they were unanimously agreed upon to be overrated after their halftime performance. I think it was a college football national championship a couple years ago well, when everyone realized, oh, they sound like shit when they aren't super produced. Well, let me tell you this about Imagine Dragons. They're like jet ski commercial music. They're like Espy's intro music. Like that's the the purpose they say. Their kids, my kids love Imagine Dragons. Like if my kids had a, a motor vehicle and they were driving down the road, they would be listening to Imagine Dragons. <laughs> They're big in that demo. Also, I want to mention the Black Eyed Peas, Mumford and Sons. Uh, and anybody else read? Green Day. I think Green what Day the fuck, is dude? Super overrated. Yeah, fuck you, Reed. So I just saw Surfs Up for the first time. You know, Surf's Up. Mm -hmm. um, everybody knows Surf's Up. Just I hadn't watched it. Uh, my kids wanted to watch a cartoon on a rainy day. Um, and Welcome to Paradise was on the soundtrack. And my kids are really into the song right now. I think Dookie's one of the best albums, you know, for a place and a time, you know, ever. I, you know, I can remember being 11 years old. You remember the story? First first day I found out that girls got periods. I also got the the um, the Weezer album, the Blue album, and then uh, I got Dookie the same day. And I was in, in cafeteria with my disc man, and she telling me about uh, how she just started bleeding during the mile run outside. It was traumatic. I'll never forget opening my Dookie and my Weezer, and <laughs> trying to listen to my music and learning this very disturbing thing. Is that is that funny? <laughs> um, I, also, I, that reminds me of uh, I had diarrhea. <laughs> diarrhea. I had a lot of diarrhea. What do you mean? And then all the media members start laughing and they say, "What? That's funny." What? What is? I guess Chan Ho Park when he had diarrhea. Chan Ho Park had diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of diarrhea. <laughs> that's that's what you want to know. Your manager said you were sick. Yeah, I had a lot of diarrhea. Uh, no. Why, it's funny? No. I mean... <laughs> Save it. Yeah, Nirvana. Black Sabbath. The Eagles. Oh, uh, what? Well, that's the what? Hotel California, right? Yeah. yeah. Ah. Will wait, you whoa, listen whoa, to whoa, any, wait. like all their other albums? Wait, okay, like, okay. Oh, this is kind of dope. And then no, take it easy, right? Nirvana. Yeah, but you're naming their two most popular songs, like actual names. Also, some... Guy from the Eagles just died. Yeah, how God, could you man, read the fucking You're trashing Randy Miser. Yeah. Sorry, Randy. So here's the deal. 
Nirvana may be a little overrated, like definitely important, definitely awesome, but people kind of put them like head, head and shoulders above the rest of the grunge movement. I disagree. Yep. Um, Black Sabbath, you are smoking crack, dude. Black imagine, imagine 1969, that first album comes out, Black Sabbath, mm -hmm. with the first song in the album called Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath, and it's probably the best first song I've ever heard a band come out with the first track of their their first album and if you consider the time period that the music was coming out it was like this was like nothing you'd ever heard before i mean so not only important not only trailblazers but a fucking awesome band and then who was the third one the eagles mm -hmm. in okay. on black sabbath their opening song of their next album their second album uh is war pigs which is one mm -hmm. of the best covered songs ever uh, mm -hmm. T Pain just did an amazing War Pigs cover. Yeah, but that first War Pigs. Yeah, the first right. War Pigs is amazing, oh, but did. the fact they wrote it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Also, August 9th, uh, Jerry Garcia died. So I think like it went, Scott Stapp was born, <laughs> and then like Jerry Garcia died the, the, the next calendar day. There's, like, I don't know if there's some bond between those two events, but um, also, I think it's August 9th is the day Richard Nixon resigned. The 9th, actually, Gerald Ford was sworn in, so they didn't waste any time. Also, August 8th, Wayne Gretzky traded to the Kings in 1988. I used to live near Luke Robitaille. You remember oh, him? Luke Robitaille. Ro Robitaille. Yeah. Yeah. Hockey he lived down player. my street. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you got a hello? Brian, Texas. Hello! Nice. Brian with a Y. Can you imagine... Uh, hollering at a call center, and every single time you gotta say, Yes, yeah, Brian, Texas, that's Brian with a Y. Mm -hmm. It's not just every Brian with a mm -hmm. Y who's mm -hmm. a person, it's everybody mm -hmm. who lives in this Brian, Texas. Yeah, Brian, Texas, known for uh, having the world's largest meatball in 2011. They're in the uh, they're in the Guinness Book of World Records for cooking the largest meatball ever 1,135 pounds. It's a big meatball, Brian, Texas. They also have a Federal women's prison, minimum security. Minimum security. Now, I don't get that. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, like, what, like, what, we're giving you a shot? Divine minimum security. <laughs> like, I understand maximum security. And I guess I understand like regular a, it's security. It's like a bunch of, bunch of chicks inside a baby gate. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's some there's some, there's some, some wire fencing, but it's like four foot tall. Yeah, pretty much. Like, hey... Where are you going? I'm just going to lunch. Yeah. It's what, the honor system. What you did was wrong. It wasn't that bad. Nah. <laughs> Brian, Texas. Get it together. I'm going to take a bite out of that meatball. I'll be back in 15 minutes. <laughs> so Matt Eberflus is joining us. He has two cats named after characters in the movie Frozen. Okay. Big, bad, scary defensive coordinator background. Uh, but also, like, the, the lead here is he's a cat guy. And I always thought when you go into these meetings at the Combine, you ask the guy, would you rather be a dog or a cat? And if he says cat, he's off the board. So uh, I didn't get to ask this question. We ran out of time. But I think it's interesting to note that Matt Eberflus is a cat guy. Uh, he is also a fun guy to talk ball with. Me and Kyle uh, talked to him for a while. Kyle invited himself to the facility at the end of the uh, interview. <laughs> Uh, so maybe we'll be going to the facility at some point. Uh, I was like waving my hands like, no, coach, I don't need to go. Uh, but Kyle, obviously former Bear, was fun seeing him sign on and talk to the media people there that was setting up coach. The way this thing goes when you get an NFL coach is you sign on Zoom, 
there's somebody that's like the handler and they kind of give you how much time you have. You know, with coaches, you got to be careful because they could have a team meeting coming up. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything I hate more than than being late for a team meeting, it's make, making a coach late for a team meeting as a podcaster. So uh, we, we, we crammed as much as we could into 25 minutes. We had a lot of fun with him. Here's the interview. Uh, we'll talk a little Hall of Fame on the back end here. Uh, stick around for that. This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the ideal app for spending, sending, and setting easy-to-track savings goals. Personally, I love using Cash App savings tools whenever I'm planning a family vacation. I just took my first family vacation as a father. We went to Italy, Kate, myself, and the baby. But keeping track of all our expenses can be tricky, and it was. But it wasn't as tricky with Cash App because when all the prices are in euros, nobody knows what the hell's going on. So when we're renting a scooter, getting an espresso, or sitting down to a course of the Tagliatelle, Cash App had us covered with a separate account that let me track spending and set goals. So whether you're saving up for a trip, a rainy day, or a sunny life, Cash App has the easy tools to help you take control of your money and financial life. Download it for free in the App Store and Google Play and see why it's the number one finance app in the U.S. App Store. Coach Eberflus, Chicago Bears, uh, bringing some excitement uh, back to the Windy City. It wasn't like it wasn't exciting, Kyle. You were a bright spot, but um, you know, I just love seeing the Bears with this level of excitement going into the season. Coach, my first question is not going to be football-related. We hear you're a country music fan, yes, and sir. on this show we do layup lines, so we pick a song at the beginning of every show. I was going to ask you, you got anything stuck in your head right now? Who are you listening to? Yeah. Uh, any interest in selecting a tune for us? Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, right now, it's got this uh, Stapleton thing going with me, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of his songs, you know, uh, Broken Halo, and then, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Starting Over, there's a bunch of things, yep. you know, because we got yep. a season coming up, and uh, those will be the two that, that come to mind right now. So I think Starting Over is pretty good. Coach, you got to check out the Steel Drivers. You got to get on your Spotify and go look at the Steel Drivers. It was Stapleton before he was doing his solo act okay. with a bluegrass band, and it's some of his best work. You might love that. So, and some of the O-linemen on your team might it's appreciate amazing. it. It's amazing. Because they might, because, you know, I think he might have the aux cord at practice. How do you work that out, Kyle and I were wondering, who gets to pick the music during practice? Well, the country music piece is easy, because I have once a week, I have country music day. So I'll do uh, <laughs> Friday, like the first week it was Friday, this week it was Saturday. So, but the players know that I get one day of the week, so. But uh, other than that, we have a DJ out there during training camp uh, that's mixing up the songs and doing different things there. And then uh, during the year, we just kind of mix it up as we go uh, during the during the season. Coach, it's been 30 years, man. There's a lot of young coaches that get hired and that sort of thing. Uh, you're a young guy, but you're like an elder statesman compared to some of these these new hires. Like 30 years, I know how hard it is to coach in the NFL uh, just from seeing y'all do it. Is there a, a waiting game you're playing during that 30 years, or was your mindset, hey, I'm going to coach the best of my abilities and take the opportunities as they come? Yeah, it, it really was just that. You know, I always were uh, – my feet were there. I was working for whoever it was. If it was working for Gary Pinkle for 18 years in college uh, or coming to the pros, now my 14th year, I wanted to do the very best job of where I was. And that could be a linebacker coach when I was with the Browns and the Cowboys – uh, working into a defensive coordinator at the Colts uh, for Frank Reich, um, just trying to be the very best uh, for that football team. Um, and 
I really didn't, uh, you know, I interviewed for six jobs, um, you know, during that time when I was in the NFL uh, for head jobs. And now I was offered, you know, obviously this one with the, with the bears and that, that door just really just swung open for me. And it was a good match, uh, right from the beginning. And, uh, yeah, that's how I did it. I just wanted to be the best, uh, do the very best job I could uh, where I was. And you're in Lake Forest now, one of Kyle's favorite places, I know. Kyle, uh, you, you had a burning question for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent probably the, the most formative years of my life, uh, you know, right there on Deer Path. I used to play at the Deer Path Golf Course all the time. Have you been to the Deer Path Golf Course yet? I have not been to – I've been to Deer Path Inn to eat. Oh, yeah. That place is really nice. Um, you know, Fahad does a good job. He's one of the managers there and does a really good job, and that place is awesome. But I have not golfed at the Deer Path. Yeah. Shout out to Fahad. I'm glad you dropped his name. That's a local spot. Lake Forest is a town like none other. Can you describe to me your first kind of taste of uh, the North Shore here as a coach? Yeah, I, I love it because it's uh, easy to get around. You know, if you stay up here and our facilities up here, it's super easy to get around. People are super nice. And then you don't have to deal with the hustle and bustle of Chicago. So it's just all ball up here, which I really love. Um, and then when you go to games, it's exciting because you get to go to the city and you know, and play play ball down there at Soldier Field. So I think it's a really good setup for the players. Y'all coaches have spent a lot of time all over the place. You know, you've been a bunch of places, Toledo, Ohio, Indianapolis, uh, out in Missouri. You know, I spent some time in St. Louis on the other side of the state. What's the best coaching uh, lifestyle place to live? I mean, you know, I bet Lake Forest is number one, yes. but was there any other that stood out? Yeah, Lake Forest is number one because, like I said, it's easy to get around. I can get to work in 12 minutes. It's my shortest commute that I've ever had. Um, ball, you know, typically they're 30, 35 minutes, somewhere in there. Uh, but this is really short. So, yeah, this is definitely number one. I would say number two for me probably is going to be uh, the Colts. You know, that was yeah. uh, that was the defensive coordinator there. I really enjoyed my time with Frank. You know, I really respect him. Um, and then right behind that would be the Dallas Cowboys. I really respect uh, the Jones family. Um, they, they run a first-class organization. And, uh, you know, so, and I really like the city of Dallas. It was really cool uh, to live down there. Uh, we had a really nice spot uh, that we, my family stayed. And, uh, yeah, I like that too. One thing that stands out to me uh, about this team is there's so much to look forward to. And obviously you're a golfer, you know the difference between missing a green and finding a green in regulation and what that can do for your total score. And I'm looking at in, to in terms of wins and losses, your team this year, which group stands out to you the most that's gonna make that leap this year? What can fans look forward to um, in a specific position group? Yeah, I'll probably do two. Um, I would say that uh, the front seven on defense is totally changed, and I think that matters. Uh, obviously, when you're trying to affect the quarterback and you're trying to do a good job against the run game. Uh, so I, I really think the, the D-line is going to be a little bit of a change because, you know, we have Billings in there. We got Justin Jones. We got the two young rookies uh, that we signed. You know, and then we just signed Yannick, and we got a couple other guys. Obviously, we got Walker and Green, you know, those guys at defensive end. And then, in the middle of our defense, I think we're, we're uh, stronger there. We got uh, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, from Buffalo, and then TJ Edwards, who's a real good instinctive linebacker. So feel good good about those guys. And then um, we have a young secondary. Um, so, you know, those guys are hitters, you know, and they like to play the game and they like the ball hawk. So those guys are, are, are fun to watch and they're growing before our eyes. You know, but then offensively, what's probably going to be the biggest change is that you'll see is the chemistry between – uh, Justin Fields and the skill that we have. 
you know, the uh, the tight ends, you know, we have three tight ends that are probably, you probably wouldn't find three better in the league. You know, when you get uh, Cole and Bobby and then now Mercedes, uh, the big dog in there. So that's a, that's mm-hmm. a pretty good d- dudes. And then you got uh, really the receiving core, you know, the addition of DJ, you know, Mooney, Claypool, you know, that those are three good uh, uh, skill sets there that we have. Um, so the continuity of that between Justin is, and the skill set that we have is growing and, and is improving as we go. And it'll improve during the course of the year. You know, it's got to be an ongoing process. And as, as far as youth goes, uh, I love the Darnell Wright pick. I loved him coming out. I played with his veteran, Trey Smith, in Kansas City, who's now an all-pro guard. He right. said, you got to watch this guy coming out, Darnell Wright. So when you picked him, I knew it was the right pick, and I'm glad you touched on the tight ends. What kind of role have these elder statesmen played in the development of this tackle when it comes to pre-snap and post-snap recognition? Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Well, two things really, because you know we do have you know Cody, obviously you know Cody, and he does a great job of working with those guys. Lucas Patrick's another veteran we have in there. Nate Davis is another guy at the, at the guard spot that's going to be you know uh, right next to uh, Darnell, and I think that's an important piece for those guys to work together and the continuity of that. You know, so those guys are are doing a great job with that. And really, the second thing is we have Braxton Jones who's at left tackle, who just went through what, what Darnell's going through, you know, just one year prior to this. So I think his experiences along with the veteran experiences are really going to, you know, you know, be around Darnell to really have a good year. And you know what kind of talent he is. He's, he's uber talented. Um, you know, got what a great athlete for that size. And he's got, you know, great anchor. Um, so we're excited to see him. And again, he hadn't played a game yet, but uh, we like where he is. And he's going to grow. As you guys know, your rookie year, you grow a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> and secondly, and you're in your second year, you grow a lot. You know, those first two years, you make a big uh, growth spurt on both those two years. How much do you look at Darnell Wright's tape against like a Will Anderson? You know, like uh, there's a, it's very variable. The the rushers and tackles that guys are playing and vice versa uh, as, as you as you prep for the draft. How much weight does something like that matchup carry? Because I thought he did a great job. No, it does. You, you do have to weigh that, you know, because that's real. You know, those are those are not NFL reps yet, but they're yeah. really close to it. And, uh, yeah. you know, so you can really see, you know, when he blocks different skill sets and certain of those NFL pass rushers are, you know, are different, as you know. There's a different skill set there. Guys all rush the passer differently. And you got to rely on your fundamentals and technique, and you got to have talent. And he, and he has those, and he's refining his fundamentals and technique as we speak. Did, did you have an intentionally like vet mindset when it came to addressing some of the biggest needs this offseason? Because, you know, I looked at two things. I look at, hey, getting some more weapons for Justin Fields, obviously. Um, you, you, you opt to, to grab DJ Moore uh, early in the draft via trade. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you need some pass rush infusion. Your safety going back there and sacking the quarterback, that's that's good news. You want you want a guy like that in the back end, but you don't want to lead your team in sacks. And I know that was an area you wanted to address, especially being a defensive guy. You bring in one of my favorite players in uh, Ngakwe, who all he's done is had eight and a half sacks a year. Yeah. Uh, and as a pass rusher, I know how hard that is to do. It was It was confounding to me that he sat there for so long. So I guess my question would be, you know, like, is that intentional? Like, hey, we're, we're trying to win now. We need to bring guys in with experience. Or uh, was it just a, a byproduct of the evaluation of the players? 
Yeah, uh, great question. Um, really, it's it's a plan. You know, we're, we're, this thing's going to be built the right way. Uh, Ryan uh, and his scouting staff do an excellent job working with the coaches. Uh, the coaches do a great job with the scouts defining exactly what uh, we're looking for and the role that each guy is going to play um, on our football team. So it's definitely intentional. Uh, we know we've had two draft classes, you know, where we added 21 new players. And then that we had a massive free agency class this year, which I think it's 14 or 15 more than that. Yeah two guys so you think about that as in terms of the roster it's a it's a whole new football team uh, but adding the right kind of guy is is so important to us because culture matters here and really we get he has to check the first box for us and that does he love football um, and does he demonstrate that every day and that's the first box that everybody who walks through the door has to has to check and all those additions that we had either through the draft or through free agency all those guys love ball and they just like to compete love to compete, love football. And, uh, you know, from there, obviously you're, you're dealing with, you know, like you said, it's intentional to bring in these veteran pieces, you know, for this year because they complement our young pieces that we have. And uh, it's exciting to bring them together too. Obviously you had a lot of talk about the linebacker position with the decision on Roquan Smith. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, they can see the way the math works out and they think it's a good move or, you know, um, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, really good player very long guy and you know one thing that stood out to me and looking at your resume and the, the players that you've coached is you know darius leonard shaq leonard uh in in indy i mean not the the heaviest guy but a guy that's got great wingspan can disrupt the football in the air uh good in coverage is that something that you uh kind of model your linebackers after you know, certain traits or do you just look at it like, uh, hey, the linebacker position, it's, it's, uh, it depends on the individual. Or do you have like kind of a, you know, a trait, a trait cheat sheet, so to speak? Yeah. So uh, really the thing that we look at is uh, we love the length. Okay. We look at, you know, lean mass. We look at those types of things because that really determines how the player is going to operate. And yeah. the, length, the reason we love length so much is because we believe that it helps a linebacker to create more takeaways. So, mm-hmm. Um, he's in windows. Uh, he's closer to the ball to create a cause fumble. He's closer to it to uh, intercept the ball, you know, and to, to elevate and close windows off and really do a great job with, you know, recovering fumbles because, you know, you, you're just longer and you're able to create more plays that way. And then twofold, you're able to stay alive in the play because, you, you know, we teach the, you know, techniques that we teach these guys. You have to be long to be able to keep these linemen off of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be able to get to the ball, to make the plays. And we always teach these guys, you know, and, and boil it down as coaches, because that's our job, to be able to teach them their key reads and their fundamentals so they can play super fast. And that's what we, yeah. we want to do. And that's what we did with Shaq Leonard. Um, and Shaq did it himself, obviously, and he's a heck of a player. And I'm looking forward to him having a great year this year. And I wish him the best of luck, because he's one of my guys. Uh, but back to Tremaine, Tremaine's doing a really good job of uh, buying into that. And uh, he certainly has all those traits and we're looking for a big year. When it comes to the nickel position, you're somebody who's seen it kind of all. You've seen this whole um, this whole metamorphosis from like guys you know, being in base constantly, big linebackers, the whole thing to we got to draft three starting caliber corners at some point. We need these guys on our team like at what point did the game change to where you had to to not only prioritize the nickel position, but then dive into what makes a nickel good? And what is it that makes a nickel good? Yeah, uh, you know, so we've always coveted a nickel because, you know, our base system goes all the way back to Coach Dungy 
um, yeah. with the Tampa Bay Bucks and Rondé Barber. So Derek Brooks, you know, and then Warren Sapp, you know, and then Simeon, you know, so mm-hmm. it all goes back to those guys. And then when it came to, you know, Chicago, obviously you had, you know, different nickels in there, but you still had three technique. You had the middle linebacker, you had the will linebacker and Briggs, and you had all those guys, but we've always coveted those three positions, nickel, three technique, you know, will linebacker. That, that to us is a, a very important piece. And the nickel for us does a lot of things as Rondé did, as you, you know, getting inducted, you can see the skill set, you know, that, the 20 plus interceptions, 20 plus sacks, you know, the ability to create uh, from that position, because you're really in the thick of it. You know, you're, you're lined up to the passing strength. You know, you're always going to be in the thick of the passing game. You're going to be in the thick of the run game, you know, with, you know, 80% of the game being played in nickel defense. Now, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big part of it. And so those guys are asked to do a lot of things, right? Blitz, you know, we play a variation of coverages. So he has a lot of different techniques that he does. And that guy should be a lightning bolt. This guy should be a, a person that is a electrifier in terms of multiplier of your football team with the plays that he's making. You know, and Kyler Gordon for us, you know, is that guy. You know, he's a guy that yeah. is, is super talented and he's growing. You know, we obviously we had the most rookie snaps of anybody in the NFL last year. And he was one of those guys who was a big part of that. And he got a lot of growth and a lot of experience last year. And that's going to pay dividends this year. Coach. One game that we all watched last year um, where you guys are on that big stage. I know it's like to be on a team where you don't get the primetime opportunities because you're building something. Um, you'll get those down the road. But the New England game, 33-14, I know, you know it's, it's one victory in a season and the season's not the way you, you want it to turn out. But I know about those moments where you're like, hey, we might have something here. And I wonder what your impressions of that game were when you got on the bus and was there a light bulb that went off for any of the guys to say, hey, it might not be next week, uh, but it could be, you know, down the line later in the month. It could be next year. This is who we can be. Yeah, that was an exciting game um, for us, for sure. Like you said, it was only one game, but it was exciting because we had it on Monday night. And, uh, you know, the guys really came together, you know, and we talked about last year how difficult it was. You know, we talked about building you know, the championship habits it takes uh, to get the job done. And the guys bought into that. And they, the, what I'm most proud about for them last year is that they held to that the entire year. And that's why we were in every single game. You know, we lost those games by one score, eight of them. You know, so adding the talent and keeping that championship work habits that week in and week out, those are all going to pay dividends. But to go back to that game, it was a, it was a fun game because it was, to me it was like almost a glimpse into how it should be and how it's going to be. So we're excited to work towards that. And the NFL is hard, you know, it's gonna, it's a, it's a difficult league and uh, we're gonna have to bring our best every single week um, to, to, to challenge our opponent. Well, it's just so, it one of those games where you're like, okay, they're going up there in New England, it's Bill Belichick, they got weather. I've been up in New England where Bill's pouring <laughs> water on the ball and shit like that. Like, like this is their, this is their backyard and it's what they love doing, playing in the weather and playing on the road and winning on the road is such a great experience for a young team. I thought that was great and a great experience for Justin Fields because he was he was really good. And I thought Luke Getze had a great game that evening and I thought he did a nice job last year. Um, let's talk about, I think we broke a record here waiting the longest to ask you about Justin Fields in an mm. interview, but he's a guy that we both like. We've never jumped off the bandwagon. Um, what was your favorite play that Justin Fields had last year? It might've been a little thing it might have been a big highlight real thing. What was your favorite Justin Fields moment? Yeah, there was a lot of them. Um, 
you know, those, some of those long runs that he broke out was just, that was m most amazed by those. You know, I didn't know that, mm -hmm. you know, when you, you know, you guys know that you have this thing called game speed, right? You know, yeah. you time speed and game speed and uh, he's as fast as he needs to be, you know? So yeah. uh, that, that's exciting to watch, but really just to see the growth, you know, of the, you know, him really grow in the offense um, through last year into the off season. And now we're at the spot where he is now, and uh, it's really exciting to be able to see him grow and trust, you know, and and work with the offensive staff, with his teammates, uh, with the receivers, with the skill set, and just continuing to watch that grow. And uh, and again, we have a we have a long way to go. We're only through the you know first part of training camp, and we're preparing for that first preseason game, and then working to our first game. But uh, you know, the, the progress is there, and we're excited where it is. How do you, I mean, I know Justin's one of these guys and he's old school in a way, like, which is why I really like him because he seems like a great kid, humble, the whole thing. Uh, but the new school aspect of it is like, now these, these guys have their own gurus. They have quarterback coaches that they work with in the off season. And I'm just curious to ask a head coach, like, how do you and Luke make sure that everybody's on the same page? Because, you know, when you leave, you might be building great habits, but unless Luke and you know what those habits are, it can be disruptive to the process. How do you guys stay on that same page? Yeah, I just think it's communication. You know, you, you are just, you know, open, upfront, and honest as, as that player-coach relationship. Um, and I think that the relationship between Justin and I is huge because it's the quarterback and head coach. And as important as the, off, as the offensive coordinator, being on the same page with him and we just have the same, you know, mentality that, hey, everything's up on the table. We're going to communicate that way. And uh, it's always going to be that way. And we're never going to catch anybody off guard. And we're always going to be forthright with our communication. Talking about communication, um, uh, Ryan Poles is a guy that I got to meet while I was in Kansas City. I had broken my legs. I was in the training room and in the weight room a lot during camp. And I got to know Ryan. And I didn't realize at the time that he was going to be headed to Lake Forest. But, uh, you know, seeing his face a lot recently, how's the communication been with Ryan Poles and what's it like to have an offensive lineman be a general manager? Yeah, it's it's uh, really been good. You know, so we uh, spend time and attention, you know, making sure that we're always communicating and building our relationship. You know, so we started to do things together uh, as, as, you know, my wife and his wife as a couple going out to dinner, uh, going to various places, you know, when we're at the owner's meetings and and that that type of stuff. And and then really building that relationship. You know, him and I golfed several times this summer. We thought that was an important piece to be able to spend time outside of work, you know, in the cart together, talking ball sometimes, you know, talking just about life or talking about our families and just enjoying the game, you know, of golf out there together. So that was really cool uh, to be able to do that. We're going to continue to do that. Um, and your second part of your question is, it's really cool to have an offensive alignment because when I was playing as a, as a linebacker in college, the guys I hung out with were the, always the O lineman and D lineman. And that's that's yeah. where I gravitated. So it's pretty cool to uh, to hang out with uh, an ex O lineman because he sees the game uh, from the front, you know, and, and obviously he sees it, you know, all over, you know, front and back. But he loves to have the, the trenches, and that worked out. And uh, he believes, and you win up front, and you win with the offense and defensive lines, and we're building that again. It's it can't be built all in one year and one day and all those things. And he's working diligently to do that. And he's done an awesome job with these first two draft uh, classes in this last free agency class. So it's uh, it's super important to remember that 
Patrick Mahomes isn't the only guy on the Chiefs. Creed Humphreys playing center, Trey Smith, Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown yeah. last year. These are the guys that make the thing go. So I'm glad that uh, it's nice to have one in a suit. I'm Kyle. glad that there's you a know, 300 pounder in a, a suit, suit and be a GM. It, it is it nice to have a GM that can break up fights in training camp. I heard Ryan Poles had to get in between a couple of players. Yeah, These was, things happen. It was interesting because I you know because I stand behind the offense, right? And there was a, it was yeah. a long ball, right? So the ball was 25 yards down the field, and Ryan just happened to be there, luckily, and uh, he was able <laughs> to use that situation. Uh, Pretty good. And then I went over and talked to the guys afterward, you know, between the next periods and said, hey, if you do that again, I'm going to throw you out of practice because that's what's going to happen in the game. And yeah. We can't have that type of behavior. And the guys were good the rest of the rest of the, uh, of the practice. And they were uh, executed and played with good self-control. And, and that, that's what you need to do during the game. I used to take. I used to have to take that long walk from the Peyton Center, holding a D lineman's hand, and go to lunch. Actually, one of our podcast co-hosts and I got kicked out of practice, and we had to make For that fighting. walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, qu one one more minute with Coach. Uh, I've got two quick questions for you. One, can you give a little love to my guy, Ian Yates Cunningham, uh, my college teammate, who I think does a fantastic job and loves working with Ryan Poles and you. And you know, he interviewed for the job in Arizona. And he said, hey, I want to stay here yes. uh, because you guys are building something special. Can you talk to people about Ian and what goes on behind the scenes? It's not just Ryan. It's it's a whole group. Yeah, it really is. Ian is wonderful. He is he is a great you know teammate to have um, uh, you know for our franchise. And, man, he is so smart. Uh, what a great talent evaluator uh, he is. But more importantly, the person and man that he is. He treats people with respect, um, holds himself accountable and others accountable. And he is right there with Ryan, you know, shoulder to shoulder, making um, great personnel decisions uh, during the course of the year. And Ryan really leans on him on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, he's great to have around. I'll throw ideas to him because he's got a wealth of experience and he's been on championship, you know, organizations. Um, and, he's, and he's just been great um, these last few years. And I'm, we're so fortunate that he, he decided to stay around. Only guy that called me in free agency in 2017. I don't hmm. have my second ring if it's not for Ian. Uh, Coach, we wanted to say thank you for, for the time and good luck uh, this season. We hope you come back after a big win. And uh, we'll, we'll, Kyle's going to get me down there to see a Bears game. So We're going to we come out midweek and, and come bother Ryan. So uh, we'll see you out there, Coach, <laughs> if, if you let us on property. But All right, Coach. until then, bear down. <laughs> bear down. You got it, guys. Thanks. I'm so excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. You all know I spend a good bit of time on the river and in the woods, and I need something that protects the eyeballs but gives me a clean, fresh look. Oakley's are changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train? Just want to look like your favorite athlete, like, uh, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, uh, Justin Jefferson? then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, there's more than meets the eye. Here on the show, we're all about looking good and playing good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We don't leave our house in the morning without our Oakleys. And since it's officially almost summer, you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. I rock the Sutro TIs because they have a solid style that fits my work play way of life. They look great when I'm in the field at softball and I'm on the river enjoying a float, but they also come in clutch 
whenever I need to look professional. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. You uh, popped back from Montana. I did. And what was oh, the, what was one of the shit? Let me be among the first to say welcome home. Thank you. I appreciate it. What was the, one of the first things you did? You you got right back into your summer activities, right? Oh, one, I listened to the bugs. I miss the bugs, man. You know, my kids don't get it. We got out of the car. The first thing I said is like, guys, listen. They're like, what? I'm like, there's no bugs in Montana. You you listen at night. There's nothing. It's like you hear a pin drop, which is nice. You can hear the, the lake lapping up on the shore and that sort of thing. But I miss the... The cicadas, the crickets, the uh, the, the lightning bug. What what? I think they're called poppers, frogs, tree yeah. poppers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I miss them all. Uh, the first thing I did is I got on the river. Um, so I was supposed to go with my buddy Tom, who oh. was working on one hour sleep from his fish show. I also reached out to Macon. Okay. Yeah, was I, did. I before or after Tom? You were after, but Tom and I were like the genesis of this trip. We were That's supposed fair. to go. You know, like Meg doesn't like me going to the movies or restaurants alone, let alone like, you know, like a river alone, but I'm perfectly happy to go alone. The thing about going alone anywhere, which I love, is the pros and cons are easy, right? Like the pros, the pro part is easy. There's no other people. Uh, the cons, harder to pick up on, like fine print would be, hey, there's gonna be a massive lightning storm when you go, and there's gonna be, you know, nobody on the side of the, the river to tell you it's going to be okay. Because, I mean, it's all the same because they're isolated thunderstorms. The thing about isolated thunderstorms is like they could pop up anywhere. I mean, you know, you, you want to have a weather app, like the weather's right up there. Like, and I'm terrified of lightning because I've been on the, the river before where lightning hit the river and it feels like you're in a bathtub and they throw a tiny toaster in there. Like tiny toaster. Yesterday I was worried about getting hit with the big toaster. Um, and so I got on the bank of the river and I waited it out. The thing about like country folk on tubes is they're like the river's flight attendants. If they're okay, you're probably okay. If they're going about their business, if they look nervous, like it's, it's time to start worrying about it. These Buckingham County folks, these Scottsville folks were mostly going down the river, but there were a few of them who were getting off on the, the side of the bank and so was I. Uh, and I waited in probably like um, a bed of poison ivy, we'll find out. The thing about leaving a river trip early is the trip doesn't end if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah it was like it was a crazy day i'm happy to be home i'm happy to get back on the river and i'm happy to be back at work with you guys man you guys have fucked with the studio a little bit like the sight lines are better move some things around move some things around we made it better yeah it was it, it was a good break it was a good break it's good good to be back with you good to be back with you it was a uh, particularly combative weekend both in settings where you would expect it and settings where you might not yeah where would you like to start on the fight side of things dude there were some fights this weekend it's funny because and i know you're not into the fights but but i watched the highlights but you watch the highlights um there was a time on this podcast where you're like i'm not watching any fights so this yeah. is like i appreciate you yeah this is a, moment a lot of progress you. yeah um you had the tim anderson fight yes. um and it was funny because I was getting ready for the Jake Paul and Nate Diaz fight. And 
I'll get to that in a second. If Nate Diaz is on TV, like I'm watching, um, and I had nothing to do, so I ordered that fight. But but leading up to it, I saw a tweet about Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez with a boxing glove. And I know Tim Anderson's had a rough year. And I was like, is he an undercard? Like, did I miss the, like, you know, you order the thing at like seven o'clock. Yeah. And I'm like, is Tim Anderson fighting right now? Uh, lo and behold, I turn on the, uh, the X machine and I'm seeing a highlight of him going fisticuffs, like old school fisticuffs with Jose Ramirez. He didn't like the way he tagged him, tagged him a little too forcefully. I saw a tag just on the backside that wasn't very forceful. But what Jose said afterwards is that Tim's just disrespecting the game in general. In general. Generally disrespecting the game. He might not like, uh, you know, all these baseball purists are like huge fans of Jose Ramirez today. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like a lot of people were, were very reactive here. I mean, here's the thing about a fight. Anything can happen. You know, if we fought and you caught me on my carotid artery sinus where Tim Anderson got caught, yeah. right, all bets are off. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, my only critique for Tim Anderson would be, like, if you're going to go, uh, you know, buy the book boxing and put your dukes up like that, like, keep the guard up. Yeah. Like, there's two kinds of fights, right? There's the melee where it's like it's not a boxing match. And I think what Tim Anderson got caught doing was he thought he was in a boxing match <laughs> and it was a melee. And, like, some of the things that happened after he threw the first punch kind of obscured his vision. And out of nowhere, Jose Ramirez throws a haymaker and hits him on – you know, we knee benders are jawbreakers. That's what we used to say in the D line room because our uh, our D line coach is a big fight fan. And he used yeah. to say, "Hey, you hit that carotid artery." <laughs> and so every time I see somebody get hit in that little button there, what happens for people who haven't got hit in the jaw before is there's a sinus there and it shuts down the blood flow to your brain. So it's not like Tim Anderson has a choice. He's like, "Am I going to stay up or stay down?" People were asking me if he had a glass jaw. I don't know that he had a glass jaw. He got hit in the right space. It's like in a video game when you hit a final boss in the exact right place. Yeah. Like that's what happened to Tim Anderson. I'm not saying he can or can't fight. I'm just saying I'm not going to judge him too much for getting knocked out. And it uh, didn't help. I think his teammate inadvertently yeah. helped him a little bit because his teammate was trying to pull Ramirez back as Ramirez was swinging and ended up pulling him back far enough to, for Ramirez's right hook to catch him right you know, in the cheek. It would have hit him, like, probably in the shoulder or something. And he takes the gloves off. I mean, you, you got to really it's not like hockey gloves. You got to take the, the single glove off. And, yeah, he, he's got he's he's got his guard up. He hits him with a right cross. Then but he Ramirez does hit him. goes to the body. It was a great duck by Ramirez <clears throat> twice. Yep. I think Tim, miss, Tim misses twice before he Flunk. gets hit. The best part about the whole thing is Tom Hamilton, the Guardian's uh, radio announcer's call, where he immediately is like, down goes Anderson, down no goes Anderson. That was a great call. Which is, of course, the callback to down goes Frazier, Howard Cosell, to and, be able to do that. how like, about our ump saying, all right. Yeah, the ump Oh, was, yeah, the ump backed up ump like was he was like Mills he, Lane. They yeah. threw up their fists, and he was yeah. like, no problem. I want to see Jose Ramirez fight Jake Paul, honestly. That would be maybe <laughs> better than Nate Diaz. Like, So the fight, I ordered it earlier in the evening, and... It's 12.23 at night, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing awake uh, leading up to this fight. Like, it's, it's even worse than boxing. you got to wait a long time. And I'm sitting there at the laptop. My wife's nursing uh, June and walks out, and she's like, what are you watching? And what I realized in that moment is really hard to explain what the fuck this is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, it's a boxing match, but, like, one of the guys boxes. The other guy's not a boxer. And the advantage is X, Y, Z. 
and the rounds are different and the whole thing, which is why Nate Diaz, I think, takes a fight like this and asks for more rounds because he wanted to wear Jake Paul out. Cardio Nate Diaz cool. does not look like a, a boxer. Like, he doesn't turn his punches over, nothing like that. Um, well, and Jake keeps on picking MMA guys that are not traditionally known as strikers. Well, and that's what he's doing. And everybody knows the game. And, like, when Jake Paul first came out, I was really skeptical of the guy. Like I was like, you know, that 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 uh, forbidden forest thing, like the YouTube stink, the whole thing. And all he's done over the last couple of years, he's not been afraid of a challenge. Now, albeit these are like fixed fights in a way, but just to get out there and fight in front of millions of people and maybe get your your bell rung, your clock clean, like that takes a lot. And so I got to tip my cap for, from a business perspective, like making the money he's made growing this thing the way he has, but also just putting himself out there. Like, I know some people probably don't like Jake Paul. I'm pretty neutral on the guy, but like, as far as what he's gone out and done, I'm impressed. Um, you know, and here's what they figured out. If people will bet on a good fight, mm -hmm. they might bet on if a fight will be good or not. Cause that's essentially what I'm doing with $60. I'm making a bet. The odds are longer that this is going to be fun. Uh, and I think that's what they figured out. Like, that's all I was doing. I was gambling with my time. They have all the showmanship, showmanship stuff down, like arriving on a tank. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Come on. I'm more of a M4 Sherman guy. Okay. But, like, but that was, that was cool. Uh, here's, here's the thing. Jake Paul is hosting a really successful podcast, basically, where he has, like, guests that are the center of attention. They're really famous, but they're speaking their second language. Right. So he ends up looking really good. Like, that's what this model is, like, to put it into podcasting sense. And uh, it's pretty impressive. I've, I've been impressed with it. And he also had to fight, like, the most popular kid in school. That's kind of what that was. And, and on top of that, the most popular kid in school was just fucking around. Like, I don't think Nate Diaz trained too hard for this fight. Very cavalier attitude in the ring. I wrote that down here. Very cavalier attitude from Diaz. He, he weighed in at... at, uh, at he weighed in in jeans okay like the guy our boy chris allen here locally had a yeah. great tweet he was like nate diaz looks like he, he's been smoking marlboro menthols to get ready for the fight <laughs> to which i said like easy um but like uh jake paul i don't know if you guys heard this post fight like he's getting booed and he's like boo if you're a virgin <laughs> and immediately i was like that's the dumbest thing i've ever fucking heard got him but, but then people stop booing could you imagine if people are booing you and you're like cheer if you like america uh -huh. you know like he would have had them by the balls so i, I tip my cap to jake paul for the whole thing um 278 punches thrown in the undercard fight that i watched with two ladies um it was Heather uh, Hardy and Amanda Serrano. Heather Hardy, I have never seen anybody get hit this much in a boxing match. Like, I thought they were going to stop the fight. Obviously, it's a YouTube fight, so, like, they're not thinking the same way that mm -hmm. they would in professional boxing. Um, this chick's chin is a 99. It was, it was insane. My head hurt watching this fight. Uh, and then after the fight, Amanda Serrano, they're inter interviewing her and she's going off on this tangent about like women in boxing and martial arts and like, we need to take this thing by storm. And the announcer, who's a man, his response is, amen. Guys, uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you think about, <laughs> you know, the next fight? And I'm thinking to myself like, fuck, man. Uh, I, I just thought it was a funny thing. 
the, uh, the, the fight was cool. It was worth the money. Uh, I, I did enjoy it. And it's something to talk about today. I'm not going to say I'm going to watch all these fights, but, but I'm going to occasionally give uh, Jake Paul $60. It's a man's world. <laughs> yeah, you love that interview. He just discovered the James Brown interview where he was all zooted on <laughs> on, on network news. No, uh, no, wake, I watched the driver, every morning. The driving gloves yeah. and uh, and uh, was was coked out of his mind. What else, man? We got some other stuff in the sports world. Um, soccer lost. Yeah, green light to Carly Lloyd. She was uh, she was right. She nailed it from Jump Street. And we so much for all those think pieces about how Carly Lloyd was being all uh, too political and and not uh, patriotic enough for the squad who that was going to get it together. They didn't really get it together. Yeah, but if Carly Lloyd had shit on the men's team, everybody would have been like, "Great, they're they're not good enough." But, but she she knew she was the only one who didn't kneel, however many years ago, with everybody else. Well, maybe she was just analyzing some ball. Maybe she knows ball. Oh, she didn't kneel. She's yeah. the only one who didn't yeah. kneel. Yeah. They were trying to tra and she's a commentator on Fox Sports. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, where yeah. else is she going to be? That's who's broadcasting the damn games. But yeah, so they they uh they lost in PKs to Sweden. That's uh not only did the keeper Nair make a shot in the in the shootout. Do we say shootout? Yeah. You just say mm -hmm. kicks. She uh she basically saved that that goal i mean that ball should so have why to... can soccer have shootout and the red river rivalry has to be the red river rivalry maybe because in other countries they don't have the gun problem that we have <laughs> i guess so i don't know but hey i know it doesn't need to tickle the twine every time but it feels like the ball should have to go in a little more than that hell of an effort from from there but the u.s had two kicks to win it there cowboy frankly if 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 you're so speedy, if you're speedier than every other team, if you're the best team in the world, uh, make more runs, score more goals. He didn't score any goals. Trump said the USA is going to hell. Is that right? That was his tweet uh, in response. He seemed legitimately excited this team lost. I mean, the X app is going off right now. Yeah, it was. Um, there were a number of players that were. Megan Rapino did not. Uh, she was not represented well. She did not cover herself in glory. Nope. Not at all. And uh, I will say, Alexi Lawless had a tweet that was saying, um, essentially, the women's national team is not is is unlikable to a large portion of uh, America. America. Alexi Lawless is unlikable to a large portion of America. I don't know if you guys follow that. Did you guys get up and that's watch true? It he's not. He's not likable. No. He's no. Not I mean, a, um, and I've said before that he does a good job on the show, and then I started watching the show more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't wake up. And yeah. and there's nothing wrong with not watching the women's World Cup. No, no you know, no. like you don't have to watch the women's World Cup. It's yeah. good that people are excited about it, but it was perfect for me and got to catch like the last ten minutes of uh, regulation. And that's the nice thing about soccer. You could tune in for the last ten minutes and nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Like things almost happened. Yeah. But nothing has happened. Nothing has really happened. happened. Hey, credit to me when we were playing Vietnam. It was about nine o'clock at night. I texted, I says, uh, game is passed number 13 by. That's Alex Morgan, all right? She, um, she's 34. You know, mm -hmm. just because she's a, she's a sensation, she was once a sensation, doesn't mean we need to run her out there for 90 minutes every game when we got a lot of young talent on the squad. Well, that's the thing Chris. about, you know, a four-year split or a two-year split or a three-year split. Like, it's easy to see the decline with players that are playing every year in front of the public. But, like, when these gals 
take a couple years off, like you have no idea how close that ledge is. And you know, another thing is like, Julie Ertz just had a baby recently. You know, like that's another thing that always blew me away about women's sports at the highest level is like, these are the Michael Jordans of their sport. And you know, like you have to put your family uh, or your plans for a family aside for an undetermined amount of time. I mean, like that's just a wild deal. So, uh, you know, hats off to these to, to the these Swedes? ladies. They're, they're, oh, no, to the ladies. they're mostly they're mostly fucking awesome. Like every couple of years, they give us a big source of pride. Like losing once to Sweden. Maybe I'm not as passionate as some soccer fans, but. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't get my goat the the same way that it does other people. Yeah, I guess it's just because we were back to back champs. Probably. You know? Yeah, it's like the Virginia thing. It's One like when Virginia won the national championship. After that, like you know, losing to Ohio, not as big a deal. Losing to whoever we lost to this year, I've already forgotten. Furman. Furman. See, I forgot. Oh, also the Pac-12 thing. Pac-12. Mountain oh. West for Oregon and Washington State. They're the last ones left at the party. They're used to. 30 mil a year in TV money. They're not going to get that in the, in the mountain West. So I just wish we could fast forward 10 years. So it's all settled, settled as it's going to be. We're doing the pro sports model where you just have a couple of conferences and then a bunch of smaller divisions. We're going to be right back where we started before long, maybe a little bit long. It's one of those things where, you know, when Rutgers goes to the big 10, when, you know, when the, the SEC changes, when, you know, interleague play starts in Major League Baseball when divisions change in football. Like, you grow up watching a certain division, mm-hmm. it totally changes. I'm sure there's other, like, the playing game. Yeah, know, it's not. Except the NFL tried to keep the rivalries <clears throat> intact. Like, Dallas shouldn't really be in the NFC East, but they had that rivalry with Washington. They didn't want to get rid of that, whereas this destroys some of those rivalries. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it destroys the Rose Bowl, like, yeah. as we know it. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have, like, long flights. Imagine being Rutgers going to Brentwood to play a game. Imagine like, what about all the other sports? Like, what about, like, volleyball? The problems that aren't flying charter planes. Bro, they're going to be on Spirit Airlines, like, and even free connections. Those football equipment truck drivers. They're going to oh be, they, you know, for a Big Ten game, you know, Michigan, say, you know, Northwestern, they leave on a Thursday. That's a great now point. They're, now they're leaving the day they're going from where they played to the next. But place. if you're the equipment guy that, that pulls that long trip, like you're probably okay. Cause the alternative is like being at work. Yep. Right. You know, like I'll drive to Brentwood. Yeah. You know, like stop three times, pick up a couple lot lizards. <laughs> our guys, our guys, when we play, I wonder if equipment guys pick up lot lizards <laughs> that, you know, like if the lot lizards are like, there's the, the allied shipping truck. And then there's, there's a Rutgers football. <laughs> like that's, that, that's, I'm going to that truck, you know? I don't know. Just a thought. <laughs> I, I remember our, when we played Oregon and USC and UCLA, our, our equipment truck would leave, I think, the Sunday before the Saturday game. Do you think lot lizards prefer another term? Probably. I'd imagine so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Prefer hooker. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I don't know. Virginia. Going to the Big Ten, maybe at some point. I think Virginia UNC. and UNC are are married. And, How about the, the thing that I somewhere. hate about our reputation saving our bacon? <laughs> right. You know, like Good the thing point. I hate about Virginia's reputation is that we're just this academic path, which is kind of what we are. With we a have lot some of great non-revenue sports. national championships. Yeah, yeah, and and but in football, it's like that 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 kind of like academic blue blood sensibility has gotten in the way of us taking the next step at various 
junctures. And now I'm looking at this move and I'm like, yeah, I'd love to get picked up in the raft, you know, like women and children first. This is the Titanic. The ACC is sinking. The Pac-12 sinking. The SEC is like a black hole. <laughs> you know, it's like everybody, you, you, you go there and you, you disintegrate, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's like the end of the line. Uh, I'm glad we're not going to the SEC. Well, who knows? Yeah, well, I was see. joking earlier about the Pac-4 alliance, but Pete Thamel's tweeted that uh, the ACC is in talks with Cal and Stanford. So this is all becoming rapidly becoming the stupidest and thing. And Florida State, too, is complaining because they want out of the ACC because they, they think they deserve more <laughs> of the TV money, and they probably do. Mm-hmm. ACC is going to more of this like, performance-based incentive kind of deal if you're good at basketball and football you get more of the revenue but that doesn't touch the the tv money uh well the tv deal is also in place until 2036 so yeah they'd have to do a lot of suing unless the conference 2036 or the ncaa dissolves it's 120 million dollar exit fee so you got to have that money and you've got to get through the the, the litigation (laughs) yeah yeah the live tour mm-hmm. but the big 10 could do right now is they could split at i think 16 teams is what they're at they could split the big 10 18? into the 18? it's going to be 18 yeah i believe yeah. is where we're going next but um you know if it's just stayed at 16 you could do the pac 12 side of it and the big 10 proper side of it and maybe that would work out but i think this thing's going to change and change and change until it explodes. I think they're like 69-ish Power 5 teams. Mm-hmm. Get that number to 80, have five 16-team yeah. mega conferences. Just It's all the same stuff, you know? It's going to take us a while to get there with a lot of stupidity in the middle. Okay. How about, how yeah. about the Oregon? Uh, he's one of the presidents on their board, but he joined the Zoom call announcing that Oregon was going to you know, switch conferences. He joined from the golf course. Oh, and then wow. kept his video on while he was playing golf. He did a George W. Bush, you know, no and he was making way. an announcement and then now watch this drive. So he was on, on, on playing golf the whole time. Not I don't know why he didn't just, you know, turn his camera off, but maybe he just wanted to show everybody that there are more important things to do. Red light playing golf. <laughs> really nice, successful first round, second round, everything off the hosel is what they yeah, call it. Yeah. I almost struck my, uh, my brother-in-law who was about – 10 yards away but he was he was parallel to me like yeah, hit not it directly in the sideways. at all and I, I ended up knocking the hubcap off the golf cart couldn't get it back on <laughs> i mean we handed it back to the folks we're like sorry they're like oh no it's all good it's like really it's it's broken that's even tougher than hitting someone with like a foul ball over yeah. that net that's supposed to protect all foul balls i mean like that's impressive thank you uh i want to play you yeah can we do a match sure that'd be great yeah yeah, like YouTube and shit? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right. In other sports news, the Jacksonville Jaguars have a hydration toilet. Did you so, see this? No. So that, I just asked Sark about this last week. We had uh, Sarkeesian on, and we were talking about, like, the old piss chart, at the, the, the Herman piss chart back yeah. in the day at Texas. I was Bad wondering teammate. if they still have the, the piss chart. Everybody had the piss chart back in the day. In 2008, we had the thing on the wall, and it was like, if you have brown pee, it's like, you know, you're letting your teammates down. I'm like, yeah, well, you're also going to die. You know, it's not just that simple. Uh, They have an actual technology in Jacksonville where if you pee into the urinal, it tells you if you're in trouble or not. And I think it's great. I saw PFT commenter tweet earlier today that he'd like to piss in that urinal. Well, Mm -hmm. add me to that list. 
and I actually played for Doug Peterson. I want to get down there and take a leak in that urinal. Doug Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder know, if it identifies the player by their pee and sends that data to like the training staff. Yeah, it could have all. I mean, it's like this is like uh, you probably got to plug in like the last four of your social before you start peeing, so they know it's you. No, like they probably face scan you. Hmm. Yeah. Or ween scan you. Ween scan you. <laughs> Remember COVID nineteen? They kind could of an check. invasion of privacy. They could. Uh, they could. They could check from poo to see if there was a problem. Remember yeah. this? Like yeah. in college dorms, they could check the poo to see if there was a, a COVID problem. Really? I swear this was the case. Really? Yeah? Okay, all right. Maybe it was a, a fever dream I had. Mm. Cool. Good for that. Good for that urinal salesman though, who sold the urinals to the Jaguars. Yeah, these whoever are be they the are. Most expensive urinals. Yeah, I mean he, he's got. He's like, look at this toilet. unit. I've got this great unit. Mm -hmm. I think you guys and just sold them on the P chart. Look at this unit. Yeah, yeah. All right. Like no, okay. we're not. We're not. It's not Nick Foles anymore. We're talking about the toilet. Look at this <laughs> unit. All right, so yeah, like Nick walks up to the. You don't even have to tell us it's you. <laughs> <laughs> These Nick Foles jokes—they're gonna go for years. I mean, like it gives me a solid joke one out of every three pods, and I don't know how he feels about it. You know, I've never asked him like, "How do you feel about us making jokes about your your?" Remember, Why do we ask him now, if, Nick? If you if you're listening, remember yeah, Nick, how do you feel the the Eagles after party where Nick was just like being a really nice gentlemanly fella the whole time? You know, I was thinking about <laughs> how nice a guy. He Did is. you guys see Justin Thomas? Yes, missed the fucking playoffs in front of his grandma. Yeah, and did you see why that chip? Yeah, we got to make that. I, yeah, yeah. Grandma's yeah. here. Hold grandma on. and and he tipped the um, the attendant that walked his grandma around the whole course. Oh, isn't it? Was a, nice. It was a volunteer distraction tactic. For yeah, the fact that he missed the playoffs. And Bryson DeChambeau won a won a live event for the first yeah. time. Yeah, okay. he also shot fifty eight. Nobody cares because um, Jim Furyk did it better x amount. Of, it actually counted when Jim Furyk shot fifty eight. Right. So. Another thing, did y'all see the uh, the Carson Wentz picture? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> bro. Someone said that <laughs> was like a build your quarterback picture. picture? Uh, he had he had um, Eagles, Eagles helmet, helmet, commander's jersey, Colt shorts. He's working out, and I don't know what the caption was that he posted, but he posted this. I don't know if he's trying to create like a super like you know how they do these graphics where it's like oh this would be the perfect quarterback. You know, well this is not the perfect quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know if he, he's like I want to take my decision making from Philly. One thing to keep the helmet in the gym shorts. Yeah. The practice jersey? The practice jersey is a bit, that. yeah. How does that happen? Do you like, I want to take this with me? It's pretty wild. I've never seen anybody do this before. He's a one of a kind guy, Car Carson is. We the want quote, to get Carson on the pod. At one point, we ought to. I so feel like we got to sit down with Carson, unpack the whole thing. The whole an, thing. Is that an elbow to shoulder Jesus fish yeah. on his bicep? Yeah. That's dope. His uh, quote or the, the title of the post back in the lab just looks a little different so far this year. Hashtag yeah. alternate uniforms, hashtag training camp. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I want to blow the Hunger Games whistle for Maple Leaf Mel. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Surprisingly, a horse died uh, out there running fast. That was awful. I didn't see it. You saw it? Yeah, unfortunately. It's like Joe Theismann. 
but worse if they came out and shot him right after. Yeah, oh really, if they shot Joe Theismann. Yeah. That's the thing about it, put it in perspective, imagine Lawrence Taylor folds Joe Theismann up like, like a lawn chair and then they, they fucking, they put a bullet in the back of his head. Like that's what we're doing. And we talked about this after the Kentucky Derby. Okay, I don't watch horse racing, but it seems objectively kind of fucked up. Apparently it's about the biology of the horse where it's like not able to recover from a leg injury because so much of their movement is based on their legs. You know what else it's not able to do? Say, yeah, I want to go out there and run around the track with this little guy on my back whipping my ass. Mm -hmm. Nay. If I fall mm -hmm. and break my leg, you shoot me. Yeah. The horse is like not able to <laughs> consent. Deal. You know? I mean, these horses don't even know what's going on. I mean, they just think they're running around a circle. They're they're all, they're saying like, "Hey, hey is for got horses." It, got it. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's Bill Parcells' horse. Mm. You know, it's tough. Uh, well, that's kind of karma, wasn't he coaching Lawrence Taylor? Yeah. Mm. Okay, that that's interesting. I'm glad interesting. you said it, not me. Um. Last thing from the world of sports. Um, well, Hard Knocks is coming. Yep. Saw a couple clips of Aaron Rodgers. You know, they were like, break it down. And he, he, he was like, all right, guys. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. And, you know, like uh, time is a flat circle. And training camp is going to be a long time. But don't think of it that way. Like, it's going to be pretty interesting to hear Aaron Rodgers, like, 2.0 in a leadership role. It's very chill. I like, I like the breakdown I saw. You know, um, he called a go route in the Hall of Fame game. It mm -hmm. conne they connected on the bomb. I think it's going to be fun. I'm in for hard knocks. Yep. Watching. Watching. Uh, sorry, Netflix quarterback special. That was, hey, that was a thing we were doing because we didn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> I watched episode one, and I'm good. Yeah, it's not my disdain for quarterbacks, but I think I can get my fix in hard knocks. Last thing. This is another mic'd up moment. Michael Pittman uh, took a swing at the uh, the rash bit. Did you see this? You know my rash bit? Uh, there was a, okay, well, if you don't know it, uh, there was a time when it was before the double doink game, uh, Malcolm told me he was mic'd up. We were getting ready to go out for the anthem. Oh, yeah. And Malcolm's like, hey, I'm mic'd up. And uh, it took me a second to realize what he was saying. And then when I did, I was like, okay, I got to do this rash joke. Uh, and it goes something like this. It's like, hey, did you get that rash cleared up? And he's like, ah, incredulous. And I'm like, yeah, the one by your, you know, like the thing that keeps flaring up. Did you, did you try that topical ointment? And then, you know, it takes him a second. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and, uh, and the same thing with Michael Pittman. I saw a couple guys try it over the last couple of years. It was really good. Now, they don't credit the source, which is fine. But if you're going to do it, like really fucking do it. And Michael Pittman is a fine football player, second generation NFL guy. I got a lot of love for Michael Pittman. But I thought the delivery was objectively dog shit. I mean, you got to hear the, the delivery. I mean, it's obviously like he's reading a line. All of it, like there's All no. Yeah, watch it. That rash cleared up, the one you tell me about. <laughs> Come on, bro. Get like, out of here, bro. Bro, like, you just got to go to CVS. CVS. The you cream, the antifungal section. Yeah, bro, they should be all right, you know. And because uh, hey, you got a lot of experience, right? Well, you had it. And, and, and like then, remember you had that, like uncontrollable like diarrhea. I think you just need some <laughs> some bread. It'll clear that up. Some bread, okay. Yeah, I appreciate bread. it. Appreciate it. So. <laughs> 
Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue. 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston. Uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at four thirty on AMP. Uh, check us out. I don't know if you guys have heard about the um, the 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 story about a former Auburn long snapper. He went to the NFL briefly. His name's Robert Shiver. He has a lovely wife uh, who turned out to be not so lovely. Who tried to kill him? Uh, have him killed. Yeah, she was having him killed. Uh, She met a bartender in Abaco. Um, He's got a friend who's like an aspiring rapper who also does hits, I guess. Um, Anyways, play the uh, mailbag for Make. This question is for Macon. In light of the Auburn football story, the guy I played back in the day, uh, long snapper or whatever he was, his wife tried to long snap his neck, uh, hired somebody to do it. And turns out he's actually bailed her out. He has bailed her out of jail. Um, I don't know if that's a Christian thing or if it's like, I don't know what it is, or maybe she's got that good good. But Macon, I was wondering if uh, I plotted to kill you, uh, understandably, would you bail me out of jail if the plot failed? Or would you be mad that it didn't work and so punitively, you wouldn't bail me out of jail. Just a question I have driving down the road. Would, would not, would not. Let me think. Would not. I wouldn't. Wouldn't bail me out. No. Because the thing I'm trying to figure out is, is this the, the worst guy or the best guy? My best well, guy of the week or my worst guy of the week? Worst. Like, should I be patting him on the back for being a real Christian? I think they're like, three or four kids. Yeah. So I think that's a good look. Like, when they get older, this is going to be traumatic for them. <laughs> okay. I'll say. So then you see, oh well, Pop bailed Mom out. That's a that's a solid move. And the, and the rapper, yeah, and the fucking the guy who was supposed to do a hit that was talk about minimum security. Did you see the perp walk? Like they're not even cuffed. Yeah, they're like transferring them to no, another. No, actually, per- she's down there on like Fox Hill or Fox Island or whatever it is. Is where they keep the crypto guy. It's like an infamous. Well, the transport. A, was like, hey, just can see you that's walk one of the, that's this one airport? of these low security prisons. It's low security but high risk. Mm-hmm. Like there's a bunch of people with shanks in there. You're pissing into a bucket. You know, you're not eating conch fritters. Like somebody in there just got every long snapper's back. Like exactly, hey, man. I was long snapping back exactly. in the seventies. You exactly. don't fuck with the long snapper. Exactly. Can you imagine this guy when he found out the guy was a rapper <laughs> in his southern voice? <laughs> a fucking rapper, like. When you find out that it was like not even a real rapper, it was like an aspiring rapper yeah. was going to kill you. Like this was going to be the messiest, <laughs> grossest story. Dude. The harshest caption I saw was "wannabe musician" <laughs> for mm-hmm. our for our guy. The the now he's not the he's not the killer. No, well his buddy's the killer. No, see the bartender was a bartender by trade. He also uh, he also banged cougars, and then his friend. Is uh, is an aspiring rapper. He's the guy who was supposed to put a hit out on him. Hey, is WhatsApp not actually secure? 
because I read about some of these things and they're like, hey, we looked into the WhatsApp, the WhatsApp history. And yeah, they were talking about killing the guy. I thought yeah. the WhatsApp was supposed to be encrypted and supposed to disappear and all this sort no, of thing. No, it's not supposed to disappear. I mean, once they get your phone. Okay, so it's just an encryption thing. Yeah, so if you're going to do murder for hire stuff, I would, I would, I would consider snail mail or like yeah. a meeting in the park, yeah. like a chess game, mm-hmm. like you know, yeah. if if you but were if wires, you, if you were going to get, if you were going to have me killed, how would you do it? If I were going to have you killed, uh, poison. Really? I think poison. Okay, how? Um, Let's play it out. What like is there like a lethal? dosage of rufinol say no, i don't know say you got you've got some cyanide how are you gonna do it um i'm, I'm really not familiar with cyanide i uh put it Powder. into a smoothie smoothie you love smoothies You're just gonna show hey up man you want some juice laundry today let me snag you some juice laundry banks okay, I, I die i die 15 seconds later you know what i mean like yeah, they're gonna do an autopsy exactly and then you get i'm a podcast hey brooke chris asked me <laughs> if you would go pick up some juice laundry Oh, so you're gonna frame my assistant? I'm just saying. Mm. Let me think about it a little longer. I'll I'll start adding more layers. But yeah, I'd poison you. So how would you kill me? Um. Let's see. Let's see. Oh 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 oh. Oh, uh, what's the hike that everybody likes? Around here? Yeah, humpback. You fall off. Huh? We you go know, on a wouldn't hike take much, maybe seven feet. I, I don't get the joke. Well, you're not real, like, you're not real. Um, what's the word? Sturdy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's not bad. Like we go on a hike I and then fell. you push you me take off a picture. The top. I yeah. get you to take a picture. You know, like right before, and then I you just fall. That's really smart. Yeah. I right? will say that that's a pretty popular hike, though. You have to make sure no one else is. Yeah, up that way. Yeah, we make a bet like you won't go overnight, and then you you go and you t- take a false step, and yep, that's all she wrote. That's pretty good. Okay. Um, also, there was like the signs were everywhere. This guy was a pushover, and I the guy just got targeted for a murder for hire. So I'm not trying to pile on, but he had his he had his fucking shirt tucked into his khaki shorts on every vacation picture I saw. Like that's like hey. <laughs> you probably would bail your wife out <laughs> me not bailing my wife out lovely seven bedroom spread in thomasville georgia as well also the biggest irony in this whole thing is he's a life insurance company executive yeah you know well maybe he's in on it took out one of them probably good the, policies probably the wrong guys now that we talk about good good hey since we're talking about fucking legal stuff you guys familiar with these roth iras Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'd probably shoot you. I'd shoot you. You'd just shoot me. It's America. I'd shoot you a bunch of times. Like, probably with your own guns. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was just Roth IRA? Through. Yeah, Roth IRA. What do you want to know? Tell me. What is it? Uh, Roth IRA. Roth no, IRA? Yeah. Roth IRA. You don't know what a no, Roth I do. IRA I do. is, I do, I do, I do, I do. Roth IRA, you can, uh, you can... Uh, take it out tax-free mm-hmm. once you turn 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. Maximum contribution changes right now. I believe it's 6,500 a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how a Roth IRA works. It's a retirement account. So maybe my wife was wrong when she walked in the other Fucking night. Fucking mic like, drop. You heard about these Roth IRAs? And I was <laughs> like, nah. Well, I was like, yeah, I heard about them. I you know, never really looked into them. Uh-huh. She was like, if you hire Waylon on set, like by the time he's 60, he'll have $6 million or something like that. <laughs> like, where did she get this? 
It has well, nothing to do with employing your kids? No. No. It's a way for people that are employed to put money into savings without paying taxes on it up front. So yeah, so to. we could employ Waylon. You don't even have to be employed. You can, can, you can contribute for Waylon. Oh, so I don't 65. have to hire him? I don't think no. so. Did you hear? Uh, did you hear? She's his, right on the fifty-nine and a half part. Did you hear about Ryan Rossillo and Waylon did a podcast together? Oh, I heard he had questions he had for questions. Ryan. He had questions for Ryan. I didn't quite get to that part. Well, it's good we don't have to hire him. <laughs> <laughs> you can give him a tax-free gift once per year, up to sixteen thousand mm. dollars. Yeah, just, just do that. And then I got this. Put this, it in uh, the market. <laughs> I got this. This. Uh, this brilliant message from uh, one of our followers. I don't want to, I don't want to say her name on Instagram because I feel like she's she's kind of got a really sinister idea here, and if it ever happens, she's going to get framed. But she she's written me a bunch of ideas over a course of a year. Nice. Um, this one actually, right on the head, I think. I realize this sounds crazy, but it's also genius. Should teams engage in biological warfare? They can pay a girl to infect her with something non-life-threatening like mono and have her go meet up with guys from other teams and then the other teams can't, can't play because they're sick. In case you can't talk about this in the pod, we can. You can just like the message to let me know you think it's a good idea. <laughs> and then I got a message a month. Did you like it? Oh, no, actually, I got a so Did you like it? I love the idea. But um, did you physically like it? No, because... I wanted her to hear okay. the pod. Okay. So she texted me this idea or DM me this idea, April 26th at 8.07 PM, uh, July 27th at 9.39 PM. She messaged, hi, just following up. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite kind of person. I don't want the follow up a day later. All right. Cause then I'm never going to get to it. Cause yeah, I just don't want to deal with you. She waited fucking you know, <laughs> three, four months. It was yeah. incredible. And this, um, is, this is not her first idea? No, she has a, not as good ideas. Okay. But can you imagine? It's a brilliant idea. It is I a brilliant it. idea. I used to not think illegal about, either. I used to think about all the... the, the t it's not legal? Not, not illegal. I think it checks out. Dude, I used to think about this all the time. I never thought about this part of it. But I used to think about, like, going to an away stadium. You know, you'd go to the hotel and... The fate of the game the next day is in the chef at the Marriott's hands, mm, dude. Right. Like it wouldn't be hard to food poisoning or food poison an entire team. Just mm -hmm. ask the Salt Lake City pizza parlor that poisoned Michael Jordan. Now it'd be a lot easier if you had like you know a hundred grand on the Bengals to go infect Deshaun Watson and company like with mono. You know? uh, hey, I, I, before I give you a massage, can I just have a little kiss? You know, like, and then boom, everybody's got mono. So this is something we have to actually think about because this could be the future of, like, warfare in the NFL. What's MRSA? Uh, it's a staph infection. It's like, you know, you get it on hot tubs and surfaces like that. It's going to be harder to do the MRSA thing, although I had a teammate that lost part of his foot because of MRSA. And they've, it shuts down locker rooms, yeah. Somebody was like, I don't want to hear about these millionaires complaining about losing part of their foot to MRSA. Somebody said that? No, probably. Probably. Um, oh, one more question for you. Best athletic sock. I'm a Lululemon guy. I'm glad you asked. Um, I'm not made of money over here, yeah. but I've been on a journey. Yeah. I, I saw Kinks and I went to Dick's. And uh, it was really a fun time. And I got the old uh, Dick Sporting Goods branded sock because I wanted a white 
uh, crew sock that didn't mm-hmm. have a logo on the top. Yeah. Because I'm wearing a lot of the same logo, like shirt, short, shoe. I didn't want to, you know, be. Yeah, what about no shows? Uh, I have chicken legs. Like oh, I yeah. want some. That's why you wear the the mid lengths. Yeah. Yeah. Like really, really chicken legs. So um, I was on this quest, this journey, right? Felt down in my plum, you know, special two for one at the farmer's market, you know, Dick Sporting Goods socks. Well, then you take off. I asked the lady at the cash register, I said, can you take back a sock? Can I return a sock if this doesn't work out? Pack of six socks. She said, well, we'd have to take out the one pair that you, that was used and like deduct that for like not being able to resell it or something. I was like, totally fair. So I, I, uh, I opened up the packaging. Well, you open up the packaging and it starts pilling. I had a whole... You know what pilling is? Mm-mm. It's like when all the threads get pulled, but they oh, call yeah, it yeah, pill yeah, instead. Yeah, yeah. So it, it all pilled and it looked like shit. So I took that right back and uh, did some uh, research on Reddit. Well, turns out Hanes makes a great athletic sock. You laugh, Hanes, okay? They, they carry those at Target. My wife on Saturday, like a sign from Jesus himself said, hey, I got to go to Target to pick up some stuff. I say, I say, hey there, young lady, let me join you. All right. Now listen to this. I go to, I go to Target. I pick up this Hanes sock, uh, special two socks for now. Nah, I wasn't a special two socks for one. It's called Hanes X temp performance sock. Okay. Listen to this. Now memory cushion, performance heel, compression arch, wicking, breathable, cool comfort. Not an ad read. That's trademarked breathable mesh panels and odor protection and then great length a very tight flat rib mm-hmm. oh my god let me show you this uh now i pulled him up pretty high for this picture but look at that you know <laughs> there's <laughs> i don't know why that's so funny why are you standing like that i wanted to see the link why are I you put standing like that before i put them in the wash and the dryer you're standing like to... you're holding a poo in chris Will you listen? Yeah. Before I put them in the washer and the dryer, I wanted to see where the length was to see if they got a lot yeah. smaller. Uh-huh. Now, I take them out of the washing machine last night. They were basically bone dry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. They're washed. They're the same length that I want them. It's Hanes. The answer is Hanes. That four-pack of sock cost me about $15. Hanes <laughs> Performance Sock is X-Temp. It's got the gray cushion on the heel and the yeah. toe. The, the cushion on the heel goes a little too high because you can see it a little bit. There's a little bit of a reveal when you're wearing an athletic shoe. But that's all right. That's a that, that's a small price to pay for the best sock around. I wasn't sweating in them. Yeah, again, did I tell you it was nice and tight? It was mm-hmm. a taut. It was a taut sock. Mm-hmm. God damn. <laughs> I, I, I'll let you know after a few wears, but I'm really happy with them. Can Ain't, I borrow one? Yeah. Now, that's the other thing I was worried about. It said shoe size. Now, my shoe size is a 12, and it said shoe size 6 to 12. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, maybe I just pull these joints up as tall as can be. I never even have to think about it. They're mm-hmm. always going to be the perfect height. Damned if I wasn't right. It's the perfect height when I pull them up as high mm-hmm. as I want. Now, now you got, what are you, you 14, mm-hmm. size 14? You'll be fine. I'm going to get you a pair of these okay. socks. Yeah. All right. Might even get you four pack. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, let me tell you this. Can I tell you something? Yeah. My wife, big DoorDash person, big Grubhub person, she'll hand me the fucking phone and she'll be like, here, put your order in. And I'll notice every time that she's on the website. 
Oh. Yeah, so Roth IRAs, you know, apps, not her strong suit. Now, devil's advocate, is there any, like... Downside? User face, interface, interface. Is there any user difference? Is there any interface yeah, difference between uh, app of, and web? Okay. Yeah, it's, like, not even close to the same. I don't know if anybody out, out there is like my wife and doesn't... Uh, I do. You use I am the exactly website? like your wife. Oh, 100%. I type in grubhub.com. Wow. And I like sign in. So I still Bro, get what whatever. year is this for you? I am yeah, doing that. No, it was oh. just like in life. Like using oh, <laughs> yeah, probably uh, mid 90s, late 90s. That's, I, a that's a very, bo that's the most boomer thing you do. It's not very, like, I don't, it's not a huge difference. Also, it's one less app I have to use. You yeah. Know? I don't use it. I don't use grub. I use it maybe twice a week or three times a week, but. One less app. that a lot? One, one less app. But exactly, one less app. Yeah. Do, you, have do you have the Grubhub app on your phone? No. DoorDash. He I enters have... his fucking credit card. WWW. No, no, no. It saves it because okay, I, I still it. sign in. Like it still signs into my account or whatever. And all so the restaurants are loaded up there, like the app. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like get the recent app. Recent orders, man. all that stuff. Just get the app. What'd your wife say about this? She just, she just laughs at me. Like I'm, like I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like, see, it's one less. You don't have you, it's less storage on your phone. You don't have you have one less. Makes app. no sense. Makes also, no sense. Also, you have to go guys. and find the app. You know where Safari is. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could handpick the best stars for your business team? If you're building your talent roster, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like matching assessments and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with Indeed, matching as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Boom, it's hiring at warp speed. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Who would induct you into the Hall of Fame of podcasting? Who would I ask to, to, to put me in? Yeah. Uh, you? Okay, cool. Same answer for me. Thanks. Yeah, me. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, you, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you. Love is love, everybody. <laughs> Confused Browns fans wearing football hats. Canton, Ohio. You know what I love about those speeches? My favorite thing is probably the fans. It's probably the panning to the crowd. You know, you, you get a really good idea of which fan base is which. You know, the Browns fans, this was their Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. it's in their backyard. Some years they don't have anybody. They got Joe Thomas. Uh, they're out there fully decked out. They got their index finger in their mouth like this, like they're listening to like William Thoreau. 
do a lecture and and they they got all their fucking goofy football accessories and they're they're crying like they're crying listening to joe thomas talk and things like this while like some people like i won't watch it the whole thing like i used to as a player sit down and watch these speeches i wasn't going there but you know if you can pick up something that one of these guys uh you know communicates in the biggest moment of their professional career like yeah you there's some nuggets to be to be uh caught there catch some jewels you talked about the fans uh Klecko even had a pretty good uh semi-choreographed with fireman edge ats and yeah he there did. was very little lag time it was pretty impressive yeah that was good also my dad tight with Klecko, so uh my dad went he goes every year um but just to to be there for joe and I guess Joe opened the speech with, I got a $100 bet with Howie Long that I'm not going to cry. And I think actually, like, he got through the speech without crying. Uh, so I don't know if my dad paid up on that bet or if it was a bet or no bet thing. <laughs> Calling back to that that golf course thing. I, I thought they were all great. I, I'm a big Rondé Barber fan. We both are. Uh, I thought Rondé was great. One thing about Rondé, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Rondé and Tiki both went through the... McIntyre School at UVA, yeah. which is our commerce school, yep. which is probably the most, um, it is, it's it's the most demanding freaking undergraduate curriculum UVA has to offer. UVA, pretty good school. And they- Just uh, getting us into the Big Ten. And they, and they excelled. I can't imagine going through the comm school and playing ball like those two dudes did on some really solid teams. Dude, I mean, look at the defense that he played on. You know, his peers sitting there in gold jackets in the crowd, like, talking about four Hall of Famers on that defense, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, John Lynch, Rondé Barber. You know, Simeon Rice is probably not a Hall of Famer. I mean, his numbers are Hall of Fame if you just look at it on paper, but I think people will kind of like, I think there's a star factor and also, he, you know, the association with him is that he was just a pass rusher. I'm not saying that's true or not. But four or five Hall of Famers on that defense, uh, think about the best defenses in the history of the game. You go back to Seattle probably, and they, they might have three, four Hall of Famers on that defense um, before it's all said and done. Ravens in, in their heyday, um, obviously Steelers. Uh, but, you know, pretty cool to see those guys out there. And then to hear Rondé talk about, and this is the thing, when you're, Rondé did a good job of, like setting the table and talking about like after his second year, he was just hoping he didn't get cut. You know, after his fourth year, he's like a free agent and he didn't have any options. The one option was stay in Tampa and you know, the way that worked out. Um, when you get in the NFL, you're like a ball of clay. I mean, no matter how good or bad you are, you're, the context with which you come into the NFL matters and it's gonna alter your, your career trajectory. So you look at the coaches he named, Dungy, Kiffin, John Gruden, um, Tomlin, Tomlin, he talked a lot about, which I thought was really cool. He said I was going to make you a 2020 guy, which is not, it's kind of a double entendre without meaning it, but like 2020 is like the future of football. Whenever he said it was probably the early 2000s. And, you know, he's also talking about 20, 20 sacks, 20 interceptions. And he ends up being, you know, eclipsing that. And he talks about just what that one positive influence was. He had so many in these coaches that he talked about, but that one guy that believes in you, uh, we've all got those guys when you look back at your career. Uh, some of them are wrong, and that's why not everybody's a Hall of Famer. But 
Mike Tomlin was right. And, you know, I loved him talking about being an angry worker. He, he doesn't have to be an angry worker. If you know Rondé Barber, if you know Tiki, they're not angry guys. But when Rondé stepped on the field, that was his mindset. He had something to prove every, every time. And, you know, you saw Bruce Arians out there. You talk about coaches. He, he, uh, he was out there sans uh, uh, beret. <laughs> so, you know, it was a big deal. Um, and, you know, he even thanked his video equipment and training staff guys, which I thought was really cool, man. Like when I think about my career, some of my best friends were the equipment staff guys, the trainers. I was in a fantasy basketball league with all my trainers and guys on the team for like eight years running. We go to the Ritz Carlton, run out of ballroom, do the draft. It was fun. I never made the playoffs. Um, I was like Justin Thomas, but like, uh, well, no, he made the playoffs before. Uh, but like the training staff, the equipment guys, the other couple months ago, I had a knock on my door and I hate unwanted company, uh, making in my yard. Mm -hmm. Um, I go to the door and it's Jimmy Lake. He's my equipment manager from St. Louis. He lives in LA. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? He's got a six pack of beer, he actually had a 12 pack of beer, six for me, six for him. And he's like, dude, I'm driving through. And, uh, I wanted to surprise you. And it was the best surprise I could have gotten because the bond you, you, you make with those guys are incredible. And when he talked about the, the, the trainers, which uh, a nugget that I thought was awesome was he said, I did, you know, availability being the best ability. He never missed a game. I did my job by not letting anyone else do my job. And I think that's like one of the biggest keys to having a long successful career in the NFL and a hall of fame career is like, you're constantly fighting to make sure nobody else even gets a rep out there. Cause like, I used to be terrified of guys. Like when I got hurt, you're rooting for them. But the other side of that coin is the better they play, the more replaceable you are. And I thought that was great. And you, dude, Joe Thomas, 10,363 snaps in a row. Like, and he, he said it like luck. I mean, there's definitely luck there. You don't get rolled up on, you don't, you don't have a equipment malfunction. You don't get the wind knocked out of you. You don't get cramps like that never happened to him. Is that more impressive to you than Cal Ripken's streak? Yes. Yes. You know, because Cal Ripken maybe turned the lights off and shit like that. <laughs> you know, Joe Thomas couldn't turn the lights off. They were never playing at night in Cleveland. So 10,363 snaps. Um, I just, he talked about his dad going to work in snow, snowshoes. Like he threw on cross country skis, I guess. Totally different thing, Reed. Sorry. I've Sorry. seen you do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Reed. You are Joe Thomas's dad. Like <laughs> oh, you yeah, have cross sweet. country ski to work. His yeah. dad used to cross country ski to work. Me, me and Joe Thomas's dad, one of the same. He talked about his 20 quarterbacks. He didn't name them all. Um, he, he called the offensive line room a mushroom club. <laughs> I never got the invite. Uh, I don't, he didn't really elaborate either. Uh, he t one thing he talked about, which was awesome, was his kid, who's like seven years old. He goes, I don't know if you remember this, you used to eat peanuts off the floor at the, at the facility. And it makes me think about like being a kid, shadowing my dad at work. And for me, it was the, the canned Gatorades in Oxnard at training camp. They had the canned lemon-lime Gatorades. And I'll never forget that. Just the memories of being like a Hall of Famer's kid, getting to go to work with your dad, Bo Jackson, coming over to the house, like stuff like that. It's cool to see these families get to enjoy it. And I was 13 when this happened. My dad got in and uh, it was a blur. So I don't know if these kids remember it, but they're great memories. Uh, great memory from that trip was one of my buddies came to Canton, who I'm not gonna name, 
was on a treadmill. We were 13. He was checking out like a hot girl and fell off the treadmill and gets shot into a mirror and broke the, the mirror at the Cannes <laughs> Hotel there. Uh, but like the memories at the, the, the ceremony are awesome. And, um, and I, I thought it was great. Also, Peter Schaefer getting a shout out, the, the, the agent in a Hall of Fame speech. Like that's, that's, that's good for business. Uh, D Ware was awesome. D Ware, uh, trouble background. I, you know, like he, Demarcus Ware is just this guy that makes everything look so easy. Like on the field, I was watching these, these speeches in 2X, right? Cause I wanted to catch up quickly. Demarcus Ware like played in 2X and, um, and, and he just made everything, his style of play, everything was so effortless. You know, you get these hitters in baseball who baseball purists are like, his swing is just so pure. DeMarcus Ware was one of the purest pass rushers of all time. Uh, and he made it look easy. He made the speech look easy. Uh, but under the surface, like with a lot of guys, like there were some hardships. He talked about those. Um, loved, loved, loved having him on. He talked about working for 25 cents, picking eggs or grabbing eggs. Mm -hmm. uh, like some real country they shit, would, bro. Like, he, I mean, Troy was like his only scholarship offer. And then to make money, he would leave the game and head to Auburn and sell drinks. And Troy got a lot of love, too. Probably more than Virginia got with Rondé Barber. Mm -hmm. Troy probably got more love than any place uh, that was talked about as far as alma maters go. DeMarcus um, also gave a shout-out to some players who uh, left this world a little too soon. Some great Denver Broncos guys yep. and Mario B Barber from the Cowboys. But it was cool to see him give a shout-out to some of those guys. I thought it was cool that he like he talked about the noises of work. Like At one point, he's like, if I heard weights clanging, it was Larry Allen. Like, you know, benching 650 or something. If I heard Ring of Fire, I knew, I knew, uh, I knew Romo was in the building at work. And just get the sounds of the facility, it kind of brings you back. The one thing I didn't get, and you were trying to explain this to me in real time, was his analogy about, like, he told God, you know, I'll prepare for six days on the seventh day. I'm going to leave it up to you to show the world what a bad mamma jamma you are. And, like, what I always heard was that on the seventh day, God rested. Right. So like you're D, not wrong. D Ware, D Ware's like, hey man, do you mind like you know having my back on optional the film day meeting here because I put in six hard throughout the week. I know contractually you're supposed to play 18 games, but we want you to, you on, know, on the seventh day, I D Ware, I'm going to rest. So God needs a new show CBA, man. He really does. Uh, <laughs> you expecting him to work on the seventh day, D Ware? Um, I loved his speech. I loved Talked his speech. Talked about the Nokia flip phone, flip phone, very yeah. relatable. Curly fries. Uh, we had Zach Thomas. We talked about Klecko. Uh, Zach Thomas was great. And, you know, the way I talked about watching these in 2X, you want to chuckle, watch Zach Thomas talk in 2X. It's funny as shit. Um, <laughs> he called himself a small town country boy. And he is, man. He is, his town's small. He got run over by, like, I imagine a red Ford Ranger when he was, like, two years old. And he said it was the dirt that saved him because had he been run over on concrete or asphalt, probably would have been curtains. Isn't that the the ideal, the the small town country boy? You don't want to be like, and I remember my humble roots and no humble New roots. York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was a was a financial advisor in, <laughs> right. in, in Midtown Manhattan. Exactly. You know, it was hard. Nobody nobody had a car. It was New York City. Yeah. So, and, uh, and Zach referenced uh, Junior Seau, and that's where he really got emotional. He talked about his family, nailed it, the whole thing. 
And then you get to Junior, who is a guy that I always hear is like just the consummate teammate, the vibe elevator, the guy who cared about everybody on the team, the guy that included everybody. Like when I think about teammates I wish I had, he'd be one of them. And Zach Thomas talked about him and he just started bawling. Um, also, Zach Thomas got held back before kindergarten. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he, he, Smart, he volunteered though. that information. Be um, the oldest in your class. And I love thanking the defensive line. I love thanking the defensive line. He thanked the defensive line. He said, y'all made my job look easy, especially the interior guys. Whenever there's a great linebacker, look in front of him. Uh, I'm a little biased, but that's where it starts. Two things on people in the crowd. Uh, Larry Izzo looked like a cape, like, like, I don't know, like, um, like some sort of tradesman. He, he just does not look like a former, very successful NFL player. I think that might be how I'm going to look at 45, 47 years old. And then the other guy was, um, was his brother. Can we pull up? I don't know if you can pull up uh, Zach's brother, Bart Thomas, but he is a dead ringer for Frank Reich. And he was sitting next to, was it Bruce Arians? And for five seconds, uh, they had the Chiron wrong. I mean, his brother looks just like Frank Reich. You have to go back to the speech, find it, put it in a social. They are doppelgangers. Um, best speech. I like I like Klecko's. I like Klecko's line that he was the highest paid defensive lineman in 1986, making seven hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. He said Aaron Donald's the highest paid today at thirty one point seven million dollars. He's like I had his point seven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was funny. Mm -hmm. It was a good line. And then he had the fireman Ed. Uh, JTS. My number one is probably Rondé Barber. I'm biased. I've been waiting a long time for this guy to get in, but I thought he nailed his speech. His his speech was just like who he is, who he was as a player, uh, and and who he is as a person. He's all class. Probably followed by Demarcus Ware. I just I think I talked about it. This guy is just to be that good at something and be a mensch and be, you know, like you never heard anything negative about about DeMarcus Ware, not once. I never heard anything negative about him. Uh, and he could have been a real asshole, man, because he was he was as talented as anybody. Uh, and then third, probably for me, was just Zach Thomas, like just cheesing up there like a, like a three-year-old with a bucket cowboy hat on in, in West Texas, just was happy to be there. So, I mean, they're all great speeches. Um, all these guys are awesome. And I love that my dad gets to go do this every year. It's fucking cool. Uh, you know, my dad's still a kid at heart. I can remember him talking about, like, getting to meet Joe Green and stuff like that. These guys are meeting their idols. And they become one. I mean, like, just putting on that jacket so they're, they're all part of the same club. Worst flight out of the Hall of Fame uh, is, is definitely both teams because uh, the showers were broken in Canton. So these guys were just stinking like shit. Uh, had to get on the plane smelling like some wild animals, man. And back they were into their passing nice out clothes. shower pills, huh? The back into their nice clothes. Like it, it, they inevitably wore some good threads. It's the first football game of the 2023 season. Pre -season? Wear some nice clothes. You got to wear a suit on the plane? Ooh, it depends on the coach. Yeah. You know? So I'm not really sure. If I was a coach, I would have said, hey, we're going to take a detour. How far is, is Canton from one of those great lakes? Like you're not getting on the plane smelling like, like ball cheese. Weren't the Browns playing in this game? Yeah, so at it's least only an hour drive. Bus ride. That's good. Drive. The 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 Jets, man. 
Rogers is used to this shit, though. I don't <laughs> think he he might not shower. You think about the the chapter of his life he's in. He's kind of in the uh, the white lady with dreads stage. The Jets probably went to Cleveland and jumped into the lake there. Yeah, right after. You know, me and Rogers probably have the same deodorant. Tom's. Mm-hmm. No, no aluminum. No aluminum. Yeah. Yeah. Aluminum. Aluminum. Yeah. Didn't want to go without talking about the Hall of Fame. Um, later in the week, I think we're gonna have Kyle in. I, I really want to get 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 out there and see Oppenheimer. You this need week to. before need the to. next pod. Kyle was like, "Let's go to Barbie and Oppenheimer same day. Let's do like some content around it." I was like, "Yeah, sounds good." And then two days ago, he's like, "Hey, I'm going to Oppenheimer with mom and dad." I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" You know, like, can we, can we, can we plan things out a little bit here, Kyle? So I'm going to, I'm going to watch it by myself this week, Oppenheimer and Barbie, and we'll get back to you. Some big guests coming up Thursday too. Stay tuned. Oh yeah. Two big guests. Double who, trouble. Who are they? Uh, I don't know if we can say, can we say? I can. Yeah, we can say. Will Anderson and, uh, and Luke Fickle. <laughs> yeah. So stick around later in the week. Y'all take care. Yeah, you're the tall girl I'm kidding. I'm gonna fight you with my friends.